Some teams rose to the occasion while others faltered under the pressure. Let's talk about a surprisingly tame Richmond rate. Yeah, this feels like deja vu, but I'm not mad about it. You know what? I happen to agree with my 2022 self. This is deja vu that I am not mad about. It has been 10 long years since Roush has been in victory lane at Michigan International Speedway, and this weekend changed all of that, or should I say this week, because yet again, this was another race that was postponed until Monday the 4th this season for the Cup Series. Nevertheless, we thought it could be another Monday Martin day. It ended up being Chris Busher's day, getting back-to-back wins from Richmond to Michigan. Same as what Harvick did last year, except in reverse order from Michigan to Richmond. Not only is this a home track win for team owners Kislowski and Roush, but this is also the ninth consecutive win for Ford at this track. I don't know if any manufacturer has been able to have that many consecutive wins at any other track in the NASCAR schedule. Check me if I'm wrong, but that's very impressive in Ford's backyard. Plus, this also makes RFK the winningest team at Michigan. So very impressive overall for that team and a historic weekend for that team as well. The chatter online is, okay, Chris Buescher has won two races. So what? He's going to be out in the first round of the playoffs. Anyways, I say not so fast. And if I'm wrong, you can quote me on this. But especially if he's able to capitalize on the final three races we have in the regular season, which, by the way, suit him pretty well, I think he could actually make it past the first round because right now he's picking up speed. He's hot right now. Other drivers that were being consistent are falling off the pace and going into the playoffs. It is so important to have momentum to carry you through instead of starting the playoffs and having no momentum, period. Davey Siegel actually pointed this out on Twitter, but of the last eight road course races that we have run, Chris Buescher finished inside the top 10 in all of those. So with the Indy road course coming up this week and then Watkins Glen coming up the following week, I'd say Chris Buescher has a solid chance to at least get some good stage points, if not a top 10, a top five finish, maybe even a win. I know he has steep competition, but I don't think that's out of the question anymore, especially given RFK's strong runs this season. Going back to the race at hand, though, I think this race was truly one on track position and a solid pit strategy. And when Chris Buescher was able to get great track position due to his pit strategy, he was able to take advantage of the clean air, getting himself out to the front and also took advantage of some lap traffic that I think held Martin Truex Jr. back a little bit. And even then, when Truex was able to get to the inside of Buescher to try to make a pass, aerodynamically, it messed up Truex's car and he ended up getting loose and it put him back farther down the field and it didn't give him enough time to get back to Buescher with the laps remaining. And that was a big thing I noticed about this race too, the disruption of the aerodynamics and when they were trying to side draft off each other, the guy who was on the inside of the car to the outside always somehow got loose, spun out and wrecked it to the wall. We saw this with many drivers this weekend and it wasn't just in turns one and two, even though that's where I think the most calamity happened in all the races this past weekend, Arca, Xfinity and Cup, but even sometimes happened in three and four. Let's back up to Martin Truex Jr. for a second. He had the most dominant car for Sunday and Monday's race. I know he didn't get the pole for this race. And yes, I said Sunday and Monday because yet again, we went racing on a Monday. So I'm thinking, all right, Monday Martin's going to strike again. He's going to win three out of the four rain races that we've postponed to Monday. And it's going to be like a historic season for him in general. By the way, in case you missed it, he announced that he's returning to Joe Gibbs Racing next season. He's going to take it year by year, but he did re-sign his contract, announced that at Michigan. But yeah, he had one of the best cars this weekend. And unfortunately, just because he didn't have that clean air, and he did make a mistake early on in the race that put him back in the pack. He had to keep kind of working his way back and forth. It wasn't the winning day that we all thought Truex was going to have. Nevertheless, though, a day to be very proud of. 
And third was Denny Hamlin. Fourth was Brad Kozlowski, and he might not have won as a driver, but he won as a team owner and a top five for him and his organization. Another one, I should say, was very solid. And fifth was Kyle Larson, and he was the best Hendrick car by far on Sunday and Monday. And we'll talk about that. We'll get into that in a second. In sixth and seventh, we have Suarez and Ross Chastain. Finally, a good points day for Daniel Suarez, who got points in all stages. And then for Ross Chastain, he hasn't had the best finishes in the past few weeks. If you can believe it or not, this is his first top 10 since his win at Nashville that many weeks ago, which is crazy to say because I feel like Ross Chastain all of last year, and I think Trackhouse in general, again, they were on a hot streak. They were making headlines. They were the underdogs that were doing the impossible. This year, I feel like they've shrunk back a little bit. So hopefully this is a sign of good things to come as they're putting momentum into the playoffs, hopefully positive momentum for that team. But again, solid day for that Trackhouse team who was looking to come back after the past few rough weeks. In ninth, we have Ryan Blaney and 10th, Eric Jones. And I'm going to point this out again. I pointed this out last episode, but I want to draw attention to this because I don't think we are fully appreciating what Eric Jones is able to do in that car based on where that team has been this entire season. Forgetting the finish that Jones had last weekend that was outside the top 20, let's look at what he's done since the Nashville race where he finished in the eighth position. So Nashville, he finished eighth. The following race, he finished 16th. Then we have two 11th place finishes in a row. Then we have a ninth place finish, a 23rd place finish at Richmond. And then this week, a 10th place finish. So overall, getting more consistent. I think he's just running into some issues and some scrimmages on track that's getting him outside that top 15 in those finishing positions. But again, the consistency that Jones has been able to put together in these summer months in that Legacy Motor Club equipment with all the issues they're having with that team this season is rather impressive. And I think is something that, again, I'm going to keep pointing out as long as it keeps happening because we don't give Eric Jones enough credit. I will keep saying that day in, day out, but a great day for Eric Jones. Also, congrats to him. He just got married as well. So I guess overall, a solid week for Eric Jones, too. Now for the not so fun part, uh, because it was an awful day for a couple drivers. Most importantly, one team, three of the four drivers at Hendrick Motorsports had a crappy weekend at Michigan from Sunday to Monday. It was calamity for that entire team minus Larson. The issue started with Chase Elliott very early on in Sunday's race. He ended up spinning out after having a right rear tire going down. And if we look back to last year when we just started using the Gen 7 car and we're trying this new tire and it's a bigger tire, we had a lot of right rear tires going down quite often. And it kind of dwindled down to these teams maybe messing with the air pressure a little too much on these tires and pushing the limits past what Goodyear said is probably acceptable, which was one option. Another culprit that the teams and everyone pointed out last season was that the tire compound is just different. They're trying to learn its limits and things like that. So that's another thing too, that we had to look out for. Again, I don't know what the exact cause was for Elliot's tire going down. He said there was no warning, hit the wall and he was done for the day. William Byron just randomly around lap 44, he had a wiggle spun into the wall and his car was cooked. And then around lap 44, William Byron ended up just wiggling a little bit and then spinning out in this essentially cost him the regular season championship after two rough weeks in a row from Richmond to Michigan, which is awful because I felt like he was rightfully so deserving of that honor. And then Truex got on a hot streak and it's usually around the playoffs that I feel like we see William Byron slipping in consistency. And I, I feel like this is the slip that we're seeing and we're used to seeing with Byron. So I hope that's not the case. And I hope this is just a bad few weeks and them going into the playoffs to pick up speed again. But I'm a little concerned for that 24 team right now. And then Alex Bowman, just when I felt like he was picking up speed again and picking up some consistency and he was going to get some really good points and a really good result out of, I guess, Sunday to Monday's race, he ended up getting in a quite confusing issue that we're going to break down because even just I had to watch this a few times to figure out what exactly happened. 
So I'm assuming Cindric does not realize he's three wide in this scenario. He thinks it's only him and the 34, but the 38 is on his outside. And when this happens, the 38 of Gilliland has nowhere to go. The 38 comes off the corner, gets squeezed into the wall, and it causes carnage behind them. Bowman was trying to get out of the way, but had nowhere to go, had contact, and he spun. So in summary, an awful weekend for Hendrick Motorsports. Looking at another driver who had a promising weekend to start, and then it was just abysmal and unacceptable to end, was Tyler Reddick. This is not at all the finish that this team deserved, period. He had a race-winning car. He qualified outside the top 10, but he ended up having top 10 speed when it was all said and done. It would have been a great points day for Reddick. But it was another pit road mistake that got Reddick out of contention for this win, even too with Bubba Wallace. He had a really slow pit stop to start stage two. I'm not sure what exactly happened there, but in regards to Reddick specifically, I asked him while I was at the track this weekend, you know, you had issues at Richmond. There's been consistent issues with pit stops the past few weeks. What are you and your team doing? What needs to change to be able to diminish those mistakes? What are you doing to make sure that stops? And here's the response he gave. I've always, I've always pushed really, really hard. Um, even when I probably don't need to. And, um, you know, there's, I've had two races now where I feel like we've been in position to um, win if something happens. You know, the way that that race ended with a late race caution, we would have been right in position there. So, uh, to, to battle Christopher. So, uh, between, yeah, you know, last, just, I guess the last couple of months, you know, we've uh, had some good days go awry from, you just pushing a little too hard when I don't need to. And so we'll just continue to work on our communication. So all in all, like he said, it's about communication and it's about cleaning up those silly little mistakes. He's saying he's pushing maybe a little harder than he should sometimes. And he's trying to hone that in. And a lot of it is just making sure everyone is on the same page as to what needs to happen and making sure everyone is on point doing what they need to do week in, week out. And this weekend, in my opinion, something needs to change. I don't know what I'm just saying. Something needs to change on that 45 team. But luckily for Reddick, he's locked into the playoffs with a win. Again, a bad points day again is not going to bode well for him as the playoffs continue. But then we also know he's good at road courses. We have road courses coming up on the schedule these next two weeks. Then we have Daytona. And then going into the playoffs, there are some tracks that favor him in 2311 well. And though Bubba Wallace did not have the finish I thought he deserved inside the top 10, he at least got some valuable stage points today. So let's go into our playoff grid right now. Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, and Bubba Wallace maintain their positions above the cutoff line, but where we see something different is that Gibbs and McDowell swap positions around that cutoff line, making McDowell below the cutoff line now and Gibbs above. They're only separated by three points, and there's a lot that could happen. They're both very good at road courses, and I think both are considerably good at super speedways. So at this point, it's anyone's game. It's just about not making those mistakes or getting caught up in someone else's mess. And because of the good day that Suarez had and the kind of iffy day that Almendinger had, they swapped places below the cutoff line. Suarez minus five, Almendinger minus 24. And again, if we're going to look at the HMS drivers who are below that cutoff line, we have Bowman minus 44 and Elliott minus 55. And I think some people have done the math on Twitter and said it is still mathematically possible for Elliott or Bowman to get in on points alone. To that, I say that's crap. I know math doesn't lie. Math is math. If you get the reference, you get the reference. The Incredibles too. But the only way that they're going to get in on points is if they are flawless. And that's just not going to happen. You can't account for other people's mistakes. You can't account for your own mistakes. And you can't always predict that you're going to be able to come back from your mistakes, especially given your equipment, the circumstances, all in between it's going to take them a win to get into the playoffs, and I am quite nervous. I do not think Bowman is going to be able to make it happen. Maybe something miraculous happens at Daytona. He tends to qualify well there. 
For Chase Elliott, I think he has more of a shot to win and get in, but I also know that other drivers have started to figure out these road courses. We have other drivers from other disciplines coming into the Cup Series this coming weekend to compete at Indy as well. So Chase Elliott is not going to have an easy time getting the win, and his team's going to have to bring him a flawless car, a fast car to get it done, and I'm concerned that he's not. So I think we're really going to see only two drivers from Hendrick Motorsports go into the playoff contention to win a championship, and I think we're going to see Bowman and Elliott out of that fight. Going into my thoughts on this race as a whole, yes, I was there in person. Yes, I was there working. No, I did not stay until Monday. No, I did not get to see Chris Buescher win, which I was upset about because I thought that would be a great win to see in person. However, what I did see on Sunday when we were under the green flag was almost perfection. And I want to read this tweet from Dustin Albino here. He says, the 16 different leaders today is a new track record. The 26 lead changes are the most since 2012, where there were also 26 in the second Michigan race. So from Sunday to Monday, we broke track records. And in my opinion, too, if you didn't like this race, I don't know what other races you will like. Because again, this has to rank in my top races that I have seen this season. And again, I'm saying this for like the third time this season, too. But one of the best races I've seen in the past two seasons with this Gen 7 car. And a lot of that has to do with how the rain changed this track and how the temperatures, because it was a lot cooler on Monday than it was Sunday, how that affected the racing that we saw. It was another race like we had in Atlanta where these teams were fighting whether you pit, whether you don't pit because of incoming weather that messed up the pit strategy. So there was a lot of gambling involved with these pit calls and also too, just on track, there was dicey moves being thrown because these drivers didn't know when the rain was going to come out. And I hate to say it because I, I hate rain races. They, they frustrate me because there's a lot of waiting around and there's a lot of postponing and I don't like it, but the rain produces exciting racing. Uh, at least the threat of rain does. The rain itself does not, but the threat of rain produces calculated chaos because of all that these teams had to navigate and just because of the racing itself again when we went green just some of the dive bombs that we saw on the inside the the, just the shakiness of the aerodynamics and just when a car again tried to go to somebody's inside it would get them a little wiggly and loose and they would maybe spin or whatever it was such a dicey race for these drivers and you can tell that they were pushing these cars to the limit it is one of the fastest tracks on the schedule it is one that is highly underrated I'm going to give this race a 95%. And again, you're going to say, well, Taylor, you're a little biased. You were at the race. Of course, you're going to rate it higher. I was walking around a lot of the time. I was working. I was I was up and down. And I even watched the race for a second time this evening when I finally had a chance to um, get done with some other work I had to do. And I had a chance to watch the race again. And I felt the same about it as I did when I was at the track. And that is saying something. So I saw a 95% for the Fire Keepers Casino 400. Um, again, rated one of the highest this season and even just from last season too. All right, so that is the race for Michigan International Speedway. This coming week, we're going to be going to the Indy Road Course. Uh, excited to see what type of racing we have there. It should be a good one, especially dwindling down on these chances for these drivers to win to get into the playoffs that is fast approaching. I also wanted to mention here, I did have a fantastic time. I learned a lot covering the races for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series for the first time in person. I met so many fantastic people in the industry. I met some of you as well at the track. I'm so incredibly grateful to Toby Christie for the opportunity and NASCAR for the opportunity to be able to cover the event and do what I love. And I was so thrilled to meet so many great reporters at the track that cover this sport week in, week out. It was great to meet them, talk with them. So overall, a fantastic weekend. And there's probably actually another race on my schedule this season. I didn't think there would be, but I think there is now. So 
we're going to see where that takes us. But in the meantime, make sure to follow me on social media at underscore Taylor Kitchen underscore on Twitter and TikTok and at Above the Yellow Line on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, visit tobychristie.com for more great motorsports content. And the ATYL crew will be live again on Thursday. We have a lot to preview with this Indy Road course, plus just some fun conversation from the world of the sport and beyond. So make sure to tune in on Thursday night live on the Toby Christie Come YouTube and Facebook pages, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we will see you all there. Thank you all so much for the support. And until next time, I'll see you. Bye. Want to watch more great motorsports content? Make sure to watch the videos on the screen and click the links in the description.